This is a safety first podcast show. I have an extremely special guest with me today, Mr. GQ, man of the year, one of the top real estate attorneys in the industry, Mr. ASAF German. Thank you so much for coming on my show today. I really appreciate it. Honor to be here. Grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So where does the name actually originate from? Because you're the only person I know with the name of ASAF. Uh, in Israel. Okay. I was born in Israel. So why don't you give us a little bio about yourself on how you got up to this point? I um, came out of school. Uh, I worked for a friend of mine uh, the, at the beginning of the real estate boom, if you will, in the early 2000s, about 2003, 2004. Uh, I worked for him for a few years, and then I went on my own, opened my own practice. Uh, he gave me an opportunity in life. Uh, it was my first job. I, I hold it dear to my heart. We're still good friends. We still work 15 feet away from each other. Wow. And... Uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity. When I came out of school working for him, a couple of years with him, then I went on my own. I've been very blessed to have a couple of opportunities and surround myself with amazing people. And one thing led to another, and things unraveled, if you will. And through uh, hard work and dedication, surrounding myself with incredible people, uh, we are where we are today. I have an office um, in Suffolk County and Nassau County and in Midtown Manhattan. You're all over the place. I work hard and I have a lot of amazing people in my life to make this all possible. That's awesome. And I could definitely relate to that because everything that got me up to this point, I, I don't take any credit for it because of the people that, that keep trusting me and recommending me over and over. And uh, it's funny because we kind of like indirectly work together in a sense where I've seen you tagged on multiple posts, like, you know, thank you to the amazing attorney for getting this deal done and I look at the house I'm like I inspected that house and that's like multiple times so it's an incredible feeling yeah so I feel like we definitely know a lot of the same people and we could all say that we're definitely in a good circle blessed for sure so with that being said um, typically the home buyer hires me for the home inspection and then they get my report now what's the next step after they you know agree on terms and, and sign the contract so Oh, Walk us through that. So the way it works is step one, before they leave the house to get pre-approved for financing. Of course. Okay? And then when they look for a home, they should have everything in order beforehand, especially in this market where things are moving very quickly. Mm -hmm. There's limited inventory. You want to be razor sharp. You want to have everything put together. So they have you do the home inspection. Immediately after the home inspection, uh, I'm negotiating the legal aspects of the contracts. The purchasers through the real estate professionals have negotiated the dollar amounts. At that point, I get involved with the contract. In New York State, the seller's attorney prepares the contracts, but down here anyway, mm -hmm. on the island in the boroughs, the buyer's attorney reviews it, makes their comments, we finalize it, and they sign it. So after the home inspection, they sign the contracts with me as the purchaser's attorney, if I'm representing them as the buyer. Of course. Then it goes to the sellers with the down payment, and then the seller signs. At that point, you're officially in contract. Until the sellers sign the contract, it's not official. In other words, the buyer always has the right to change their mind and we can make you buy a house. The seller can also accept another offer. The seller doesn't have to sell it to you. So in this razor sharp, fast moving market, everyone needs to have everything lined up because in real estate, especially during these times, time is not your friend. Yes. When things sit, nothing good happens. So you just want to have everything in order. Of course. You're in there, then I'm in there, and then everything is in order. So. That's that's a great point. Speaking of having things in order, when when should when should a home buyer be in contact with their attorney? The minute they have the report or prior to? 
Just like you could go to three different physicians, they could give you three different answers. You could speak to different counsel and they could give you different uh, input and output and their positions. I personally love speaking to the client before they even find the house. Why? I like educating them on the process. That way, when they find the house, they already know what to do. They know how quickly or how slowly to move, what to look for, what not to look for. You know, whenever I teach and I present, you know, one of the phrases I use daily is knowledge is power. So them having that knowledge of what to do and what to expect beforehand has them as a, a better buyer, if you will. Of course. And regarding, I guess, compensation, uh, when when our payments do, whether it's, what is it, per hour or at the closing or how does that work? Me personally, uh, I charge the clients at the end of the deal. So Different attorneys do different things. For the most part on the island, uh, real estate attorneys are not uh, compensated hourly. If right. I was, <laughs> I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd, be I'd be retired. Of course. <laughs> um, so that's it's not an hourly thing here on the island. Or, or in the boroughs, for the most part, right. until you get into different type of transactions or maybe certain uh, commercial transactions, not on the residential side. Right. So you kind of answered my first question, um, this next question, but um, you're clearly not a one-man army. So uh, you said you had multiple offices. So let's say you're either with a client at a closing um, and there's another client where they need to have something done because, like you said, in the real estate industry, time is definitely not your friend. What's what's the other route they could take just to make sure you know things are still moving forward? Well, in my law firm, things are always moving, all the time. There, I have fifteen paralegals. Wow. Okay, uh, who are ultra experienced. To be up here in life, it's all about your team. Okay, you can't do everything alone. Um, you get to a certain part alone, but you can't get to the top. I want to be at the top, and to do that is the people on your team, the people you align yourself with. And that's the case in anything in life, in your personal life, in your professional life. Um, and again, it took years and years to have these amazing people of course. in our firm. And I'm very blessed to have them. They're like, we're like a big family. And I let them know that daily. As it should be. Oh, of course. Listen, I don't take credit. Listen, yeah, I work hard. That's, mm -hmm. that's great. But a lot of people work hard. Mm -hmm. If you went up here working hard, it's just part of it. It's also the people that you align yourself with, the people on your team they are the ones that will help you get to up here. Of course. And whenever I get any of these accolades or recognitions, the first thing I do is I thank them because I know that without them, I wouldn't be there. Likewise. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, just like ending in life, you know, it's very easy to find people. It's very hard to find good people. Right. And when you find those good people, you make sure you do whatever you need to do to make sure they're part of your life and business for ever if possible. Absolutely. And there's there's different types of attorneys and I've heard instances where uh, you know people will hire their uncle because they've done a divorce once or twice and um, can you just break down the different type of attorneys that sure. you should hire? So unlike the medical profession a, an attorney can practice different aspects of law. If you're a gynecologist and you, somebody comes to you because they chipped their tooth, <laughs> you couldn't help them if you want to. Right. As an attorney, there are, you can practice different aspects of it. You do real estate, criminal, personal injury, trust, estates, immigration. Um, I personally concentrate on one. Uh, I strive to be the best at what I do, and I do wish attorneys to do a lot of other things the best. 
I'd rather just concentrate on one th on one aspect of the law and master it, if you will. Of course. Uh, it makes life easier, makes everything smoother. Uh, it helps our name in the industry when we have other transactions. Chances are most of the other attorneys we, we work alongside with for many years, and it's easier to fix issues or dilemmas, and that's why they come to us. Of course. And what's if you could name at least one or two things, what what's the most important thing to have in the contract? It, it has to be no way around it. Um, to me... The three most important, and there are many, of course, very important uh, aspects of the contract of sale. That's why there are 10, 15, 20, 25 page documents. Uh, but it's the names and the addresses, okay? You want to know who the buyers and sellers are. If it's a deal that's contingent on financing or all cash, it has to be broken down. Okay, you want to know if somebody is purchasing a home subject to financing or they have the cash. And the third really important thing uh, is uh, the closing dates. Okay, so okay. people know what they're going to be closing and what the terms on or about mean. Okay. Okay, I mean, there are many other very important aspects of the contract, title, CFO, um, what's included, what's not included. Home inspection report. <laughs> many things, the conditions of the home, sure. a property condition, disclosure credit. Um, but three, in my opinion, and it might sound basic, uh, but they're important, is the, who the buyer, the seller are, what's the sales price. Um, whether it's a cash deal or subject to financing and the closing dates. And what's the seller's concession? Because I've heard this term thrown around and I've actually, I had a transaction myself once. Um, for those who don't know, I'm also a real estate investor. I had a transaction where the, the, buyer, the buyer's agent, he wrote the seller's concession on the deal sheet and he failed to, um, disclosed the number to his client. He basically wrote it wrong. And then when push came to shove, they were going to sign the contract. They're like, wait, it's this much? And he was off by like 15 grand. So a seller's concession is where a sales price is increased to roll in a buyer's closing cost. Let's use make-believe numbers so we sure. can visualize what we're talking about. You're purchasing a, price, a house, the accepted sales price between the buyer and the seller is $500,000. You as the buyer are pre-approved for more, a higher financing. Interest rates are low. You say, hey, I'd rather roll in the closing costs and keep the money in my pocket to do upgrades, improvements, whatever I may need to do with mm -hmm. the house. And say you want to add a seller's concession of 4%. Customarily, you could do up to 6%, okay, if you qualify, if the sellers are okay with it. So make believe you're purchasing a house. You have an accepted offer of $500,000. You would like to increase the price and add a 4% seller's concession. 4% of $500,000 is $20,000. The contract of sale would read that the sales price is $520,000, which includes a $20,000 seller's concession. That is where the seller is allowing you as the purchaser to increase your loan amount so you can roll in closing costs. The net sales price to the seller doesn't change. The seller's expenses doesn't change. In other words, their real estate commission fee is still based on the net price of 500. The transfer tax that they are going to have to pay doesn't change. The bar is just going to have to make, give them a credit for the difference in uh, um, the transfer tax. But and most importantly, the house still has to appraise for the increased right, amount. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, aside from that, what's what are some things that 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 have 
popped up last minute that have may- maybe killed the deal at the closing table or maybe the final walkthrough? Like, what's your craziest real estate experience? Uh, I've closed many thousands of real estate <laughs> transactions. I've experienced many, many, many things. And at the end of the day, um, because it is real estate, I personally think everything can be worked out. It's not a life and death situation. Right. And sometimes people get very emotional and irrational mm-hmm. when you're talking about the most expensive asset of their life, mm-hmm. when it deals with their family and moving situations. Uh, but things that pop up are things that maybe should have been excluded or not excluded. In other words, when you sell a home, the home was supposed to be delivered vacant and broom clean. If there are items that are built into the walls, they're considered fixtures. So in the contract of sale, if a seller wants to exclude something that is a fixture, such as a chandelier, mm-hmm. a wall-mounted television, it should be excluded in the contract. I've seen instances where the seller's attorney didn't put that exclusion in there. The buyer gets to the walkthrough, and they're gone. Oh, wow. Well, the seller say, hey, I always wanted to take it. I told the lawyer, I told yeah. everyone, but it wasn't in the contract. And just so you know, the contract controls. Even if it's listed on MLS, mm-hmm. the contract controls. The contract has specific language, the irrespective of what was listed elsewhere, the language in control. That's why that contract of sales is very important. And speaking of attorney language, what's a rider? So in a residential contract of sale here, downstate meaning on Long Island in the boroughs, we have a template contract that's usually put together by the Borough Association. And then... There is a rider. The rider are paragraphs that add on to uh, the actual contract. And all of the language in that rider supersede the contract. So the riders are very, very important. It either changes language from the original form or supplements it by adding additional language or adds more language that was never there in the first place. It's very, very important. And depending on what time of the year the buyer purchases a property, now that could fall into a certain time regarding taxes. So um, explain how that works. Uh, does, does the buyer have to pay the year in full or? Easy. So what you're referring to is adjustments. Okay. So when we go to a closing, there are numbers that are added or subtracted in addition to the sales price. So again, you're purchasing a $500,000 home. We're at the closing table, okay? Real estate taxes are due different periods in, in different counties. In Suffolk County, the general tax is due in December and in May. There are various villages. They have their own periods. When you're in Nassau County, the general tax is due in January and July. The school is due in April and October in their villages. In the five boroughs, it's every three months. So this is another perfect example of why you must hire a seasoned local real estate attorney when you buy a home. Yes. And I don't mean any disrespect to Uncle John or, or, right, or, right. You know, <laughs> or our Aunt, Li- Aunt Lizzie. Right. Um, but it's very easy to make mistakes on these things. It's very easy to turn a simple situation into a complicated one if you don't know those time frames. So again, make believe we are here, we're in Nassau County, and we are closing, and it's today. You're the buyer, I'm the seller. Mm-hmm. In Nassau County, the tax periods are a little confusing because some of them are backwards. If you know what you're doing, it's easy. Just like anything else in life. When you know what you're doing, they're easy. Of course. If you don't know what you're doing, it's not it's easy. It's complicated. Right? <laughs> so again, we're purchasing it today. And today is February 15th. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're the buyer, I'm the seller. You're buying my house for $500,000. 
What are some adjustments? First, I owe you the $500 for the property condition disclosure credit because I did not fill out that form. Another adjustment would be for oil if there's oil. If I have oil in my tank, I would contact the oil company and bring a receipt of how much oil was just measured in my tank, and you would have to give me that adjustment. Okay? Next would be for real estate taxes. So the town, also known as the general taxes in Nassau County, do in January and July. So if we were closing today, I as a seller have already paid the taxes to the end of June. So you would have to reimburse me from today, assuming I gave you possession today, until the end of June. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fair that I paid the taxes and, and then live in the house. Sell the house, yeah. However, in Nassau County, the school tax periods are backwards. So if we close today and you were buying my house, school taxes in Nassau County are due in April and October. Well, I as a seller didn't pay the April taxes. Why? Because they're not even due yet. It's February. You're going to be paying them. Right. However, the periods are backwards. So the April bill covers from January to June. So now I, as a seller, owe you money because you're going to pay the school tax for a period where I lived in the house. Right. Okay. So if the attorney doesn't practice real estate and doesn't know this, all of this is going to be wrong. Of course. And I know that you... You mentioned the importance of having a seasoned attorney. Um, how how long have you been an attorney for up to this point? Uh, 19 years. Wow. I couldn't even tell. <laughs> Thank you. So that actually gears up to my next question. So um, you're very big on taking care of yourself with health, fitness, wellness, education, for those who may be listening, this guy, if, you, if you've seen this guy, he is sharp to the T 24-7. Thank you. Uh, this is my personal question. Where do you get your suits from? <laughs> I get my suits from, from various stores uh, in, throughout the island. So you could tell me off the record then. That's fine. Yes. But, um, but, what, but how does that translate into your business as far as taking care of yourself first and foremost and, and just uh, being at the top of your game. I, I try to be consistent with everything that I do. I try to strive to be the best at whatever it is that I do. I don't do everything, but the things that I do, uh, like I strive to be the best at it. I actually, I love what I do for a living. We're respected taking care of myself. You know, I've learned over the last two years with my campaign that health is true wealth. Yes. Your health is everything. Mm -hmm. Taking care of yourself is ultra important. Your mind, you know, how you act, how you react, how you think. Uh, and I want to I want to live a long life. Of course, you know, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy feeling good. I enjoy taking care of myself. Do, do you do anything in particular regarding your mental health? You know how sometimes uh, some people, whether they meditate in the morning, they read books to educate themselves every day. Uh, what are some things that have helped you? Uh, another phrase that I use when I when I teach is you know about you know knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. So I love educating myself on every aspect that I, I can, um, even if whether it affects me directly or indirectly. Um, and I like speaking and educating. You know, this morning I spoke on a panel, uh, and I love educating people. Um, I wish everyone was more educated. And I educate on the real estate industry because this is what I do. I of live course. and breathe. Mm -hmm. And I love educating real estate professionals, attorneys, lenders, first-time home buyers. Imagine every buyer that came to you for inspection the entire process of what to do and they were educated, how much easier your life would be, oh, how much course. smoother the process would be. So when I educate, I educate 
other attorneys, other ones, we're all, we're all working together. We're all a team. I agree. You know, because a real estate transaction is a conveyor belt of people. And it's not adversarial. Even if you're a seller and a seller's lawyer and a bar and a bar's lawyer, we have a one common goal, right? And that's, a client. That's, to, that's to close the transaction, mm-hmm. to zealously represent our client, but to make everything as smooth and amicable as possible. They want to sell. You want to buy. When everyone involved works together as a cohesive team, um, things are smooth. Real estate sh- should be smooth. Of course. And you mentioned educating people and, and always paying it forward. Now, for those who don't know, um, a friend of mine, Regine, every year, she has this this event called the Bowery, Bowery Mission, where every year, I'd say around October, November, she starts collecting clothes, uh, food donations from restaurants, things like that. And then on, on Christmas Day, uh, we all go down to the Bowery, the Bowery, sorry, <laughs> the Bowery Shelter down in Manhattan, and we all set up tables and we set up like a buffet style event for the homeless. And you were there, not last year, because COVID happened, but the year prior. Um, how was that experience for you when you were, you know, seeing people that literally didn't have a coat on their back, you know, during the winter time? And like, what's the meaning for giving back? It was life changing. Okay, it started with my campaign before that. It changed my perspective of life. There are so many people in this world that need help. Yeah. Okay, it's our duty. It's our responsible uh, to try to um, move it forward, to make a difference, to have an impact. We work together as a team. We accomplish so much, and. A lot of people just desperately need our help. And tell us about your Man of the Year Award. What was that about? Uh, Congratulations, I, by the way. Thank you. After the birth of my children, it was the most amazing thing I've ever been involved in in my life. I was nominated for Man of the Year by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It's the biggest blood cancer organization in the world. Wow. I had zero experience, zero connections to cancer. When I was nominated... I asked him, where did they even find me? Yeah, yeah. You know, I had no connection to cancer. Mm-hmm. I had no experience. I've never asked anybody for anything in my life. I sat down with a couple of amazing people who now will be part of my life for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I put together with zero experience, just a lot of passion. I put together a team, which to me was one of the most amazing teams in the history of this organization. And together we broke every record in history. Wow, such as what? Uh, raising funds and awareness. Now, you said they found you. I mean... So I was nominated. Yeah, so doesn't it work the other way around in a sense where if there's if there's something you're passionate about helping, uh, you know, any type of cause, typically I would assume you would, you know, um, work in that aspect and then, but I guess they contacted you first. My, my situation was different than the norm. I didn't have a connection, and I didn't ask. Right. I was nominated by a, a dear friend who is now a board member of the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. I was his attorney for his family on certain gotcha. okay. uh, matters, and he felt that maybe I could do a good job. Sure, and, which you have. And then he sat down with somebody very special from LLS, and together they nominated me. He nominated me, and when they nominated me, and everything I do in my life, I do it 110% of everything that I have, every fiber in my body. Sure. And I didn't say yes, which caught them oh, off guard. Well, I didn't know anything about it. Right. I told them I didn't want to embarrass myself. Right. I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let the Leukemia Lymphoma Society down. So 
I said, let me speak to someone who ran, a woman who ran for woman of the year, a man who ran for man of the year, so they can educate me on what this involved, what it entails, mm -hmm. what I need to know, what I need to do. So I did. And they're very, very smart. They connected me with two amazing people, an amazing woman, an amazing man. And uh, one thing led to another. I accepted the nomination. And I spent seven days a week for 10 months on it. Uh, it was a major undertaking. It was life-altering. But I felt in my heart that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really give back, to really make a difference, to really have an impact on children and families that have had horrendous situations and experiences mm -hmm. in their life because of these cancers. And I had an opportunity to, to really make a difference. So I said to myself, you know what? Let me do this. Give it all I have and then some, which is what I gave. That way when this campaign is over, I want to look back in my heart and know there's nothing more I could have done. Of course. And again, none of this would have been possible that many, many amazing people on our team. The name of our team was the Dream Team, and they were a dream team. If you go person by person and look at the people on this team, it was an all-star caliber of amazing, passionate, like-minded people, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. Sure. It was an amazing group. Uh, I hired a campaign manager, because it was beyond my realm of expertise. Right, of course. That I paid for my pocket, yeah. <laughs> you know. We had an amazing fundraiser at, uh, Long on Ferrari, Maserati. I paid for a coordinator, an event coordinator, because I wanted this to be razor sharp and it was beyond my realm of expertise. Of course. And just like I, you know, as I said before about the team, all of this was possible only because of them. Yes, I spearheaded it. Great. But without them, this never would have been possible. Right. It just, it unraveled. Um, it educated me on so much. It changed my perspective of life. I grew up in a little bit of a bubble with respect to health. And what I mean by that is I grew up, I'd get sick, i get cold, right. I don't get mm -hmm. fevers, I don't wear jackets, yeah, I wear shorts yeah. <laughs> in the winter. I never miss a day of school in my mm -hmm. life and being sick. So this educated me so much on life and how these people are affected. And what we did was mind-changing. Uh, it was life-altering. Uh, and my goal was to create a legacy so people behind me can follow in these footsteps and continue to do everything possible to raise funds necessary to inspire your cures. And how, is, there, is there a website people can go on to? You Google the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. All of the information you need will be on there. Obviously, we live in Long Island, so it is a Long Island chapter. Because sure. you want to try to give where it affects people locally. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm a big local person. Obviously, we have a. Our goal is to raise vital funds necessary to inspire cures, so that these cancers don't ever exist. And I feel together we are taking steps toward that. Um, and uh, it was it was life altering. Life altering. And it's probably even more rewarding when your children are, are watching you do this. So they're they're growing up, you know, under the impression that you have to give back. Must you know. We, it is our obligation to give back, to make a difference. I got my children involved in one aspect of the fundraising I did. I got the children from Smithtown uh, School District, mm -hmm. and we had a fundraiser where I had the children involved. I need them to learn, to see what this is about giving back and making a difference. And it affected them, and they'll take that with them for the rest of their life. Of course. Yeah, that's actually that's a good point because 
up to this point, I've probably done the Bowery mission probably at least five or six years, and it gets bigger every year. And what I realized is that some people actually bring their children to show them like, listen, you know, it's not, it's not about gifts. It's not about the new PlayStation and flat screen. You know, there's people out here that are literally hungry. So that's definitely a, um, a very good point. Now, outside of work, outside of um, everything we just mentioned, what are your what are your personal hobbies? Uh, I love working out. I love sports. I love going to sporting events. I love playing sports. I love the beach. Yes, I love <laughs> I love enjoy life. I'm I'm a happy guy. Yeah, of course. I have amazing people in my life that make my life incredible, and I'm very blessed. Are there any Are there any books you're reading at the moment, or books you could recommend that that are life changing? Uh, at this point, I'm just reading local articles because I've been teaching so much mm -hmm. about uh, this particular field. So lately, it's more local articles okay. as opposed to books. Um, okay. And uh, with, with that being said, uh, how can people get a hold of you, reach out to you if, if they're looking to buy a house, they, they need an attorney? Well, I would honor the opportunity to represent people when they are purchasing or selling homes, condominiums, cooperatives, land, um, commercial. Uh, the office phone number is 516-733-1810. Our email address is info, I-N-F-O, at germanpc.com. ASAF, I can't thank you enough for being on my show. Oh, it was an honor to be here. Means a lot. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me as well. No problem.